Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Hello and welcome to the China Shop, everyone. Step on inside, kicking those doors open. Get your asses in here. I'm Shopkeeper Dan. With me, as always, is Kyle, creator of FinancialNeptitude.com. How are you doing today, Kyle? Doing good, and you? Fan-fucking-tastic. Well, I mean, maybe not that good. I'm doing good. I'm doing How good. about you now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. It's just been a long week. I feel like it's been a really long week. Yeah, kind of has. So kick off your shoes, sit back, relax, rage against the hedge machine. We'd love to welcome any new listeners just joining us. We're here smashing our way through a complete set of fine china, sharing those ever-growing strategies for maximizing gains and cutting losses. If you are new to the shop and stock trading in general, you can always check out one of our knowledge or resource centers on financialnet2.com, where you can give a beginning trading episode a listen. We have several of those and linked in the episode description, but the best place to be is our awesome free Discord server. Completely free. Completely free. Yay! We get on there all the time, uh, shooting the shit, talking stocks, sharing charts, sharing strategies. It's just an amazing place to be. Totally free, no paid tiers or special access areas. I feel like I've been shit posting more than usual, though. <laughs> <laughs> Probably need to bring back in more analysis and less <laughs> Kermit the Frog dick pics. <laughs> oh, those are the best. I love cartoon and puppet genitals. They're, they're my favorite. No, <laughs> delete that, Dan. That's ridiculous. Who would say that? Not a furry. Uh, <laughs> when you do join that discord server send us a private message or email with your mailing address we'll send you some smash it yourself swag straight from the shop we're just so glad everybody's here it's a lot of fun always better with friends mm-hmm. kyle any exciting show news going on oh let's see here we have this week coming up eric mason an economist from massachusetts i believe really really smart guy well, that, a lot of fun too uh that was really fun interview to record yeah a lot of fun on that one the week after that we got anthony vecino who's a real estate expert and anthony fatsies is coming back uh the week after that and then rounding out the month with order flow labs leo and flurry have committed to returning oh <laughs> got him on the hook huh yeah uh let's see what else is going on. oh we got the new trailer almost finished uh if you still want to send submissions to us uh telling people why you think they should listen uh, you can just send those to us at two bowls at financial or you can dm to me in the discord tonight at 7 p.m central time we'll be watching velocal pastor with team mandalore is our march consequences uh that is in the discord events so you can check that out for details if you want to listen in and watch us suffer Ugh. and then the last bit of exciting news <laughs> yeah that one's probably less exciting for you <laughs> in fact actually uh chatting with ray about that and uh she's telling me how there's a scene about five minutes into it where a car was supposed to explode but they never went back and post and put the explosion in so there's this giant box <laughs> like just a black box with white words saying car explosion <laughs> oh, God. really looking forward to this oh wow <laughs> Surprisingly, too, they actually made a second one. Why not? First one was so easy to make. <laughs> yeah. Save so much money on the editing floor. <laughs> right. 
Uh, the last bit of exciting news is that we have some new songs to debut today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we decided to move away from the song parodies as we realized that they're not exactly parodies. Mm, more like satire. Uh, if anybody wants to contribute to those too, feel free because it is hard work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stan knows his uh, yeah. years as a musician. <laughs> it's hard work for you, <laughs> Kyle. Help me with these lyrics. Uh, it's hard work keeping you on track. <laughs> uh, that, that's 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 true. That's a that's a job and a half. I recorded some backing tracks. That's true. Very true. Yeah, excited to debate to debut those today. Yeah, we got a few few of the new ones. Few more new ones coming next week. It's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. Well, mm-hmm. we have got. A peculiar, pedantic, peaceful episode for you today. Plenty of market moving news, stocks on the radar, and more options than ways Kanye West has fantasized about killing Pete Davidson. That does not sound peaceful. <laughs> well, I had three different ones queued up, but then I, I couldn't see them, so I just reached. <laughs> Fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Reach out to us, folks. We love your messages and comments on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, love it, love, love it on the Discord. If you're old school, you can send us an email, number two bulls at financialineptitude.com, or you can send us a phone call to 725-22-BULLS. Maybe you got a hot stock tip. Maybe you want to tell us about a great trade you just made, or maybe you... Ooh, 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 ooh. I got it. Yeah. Maybe you just escaped from a supermax prison in Los Angeles after saving the president's daughter and have decided to activate a super weapon to knock us back into the Stone Age. Oh, yeah. Run, baby, run, baby, run, baby, way. Escape LA. However that song went. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter uh, what you want to talk about. We just love it when you reach out. Yeah. And then we go straight to the news from here, right? No. Uh, unfortunately, we have to take our lumps. God damn you, Randall! Sorry, I just had to get that out of my system. Peaceful. Peaceful. <laughs> I'm not sure who goes first. We both lost. Uh, I think my stop might have been less than yours. I lost $32. Oh, you're back at break even, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably me. Yeah. You go first. Yeah. I had ConocoPhillips because I'm like, oil's going to the moon, baby. Sanctions. To the moon. Yeah. Well, apparently, <laughs> apparently the, the stock price didn't agree. Started out really strong Monday, and no. but halfway through Tuesday, it started to drop, and then Wednesday morning hit my stop at ninety five, which brings my bet total from five thirty two ninety eight down to five hundred dollars thirty seven cents. I'm up thirty seven cents. I did not fare so well either. Uh, BP, not PP. I had HZNP at open the week at ninety nine oh five. Hit my stop on Tuesday or Wednesday at. I'd- 102. God, that was really frustrating on that one because it, <laughs> everything else was falling except for that stock. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> so yeah, my bet hole went from 490.71 down to 476.10. Ooh. So I am in last place and well behind Random who picked Westwater Resources, WWR, which uh, opened at 185, peaked at 238, and for triggering the 15% trailing stop that we've completely forgotten exists because it hasn't been used in so long. So long. Uh, at 202. <laughs> so random ended up finishing uh, the week with $573.52. Good Lord. Oh, that's a kick to the balls. And we knew it when we picked it, when it popped up on the random selection. Like, fuck. This, this is a risk. <laughs> 
shit. Yeah. Okay. Well, random picks of meme stock. Yeah. Two can play that game. <laughs> we'll be back at the end of the episode making, well, I hope boring bet picks because thrilling ones uh, just seem to be good for random. Stick around <laughs> to the end of the episode. We'll, we'll, we'll be back at you with those. But until then, let's check out the new song for the news. Dow drops deep on moving inflation, COVID frustration, war damnation. We're just bringing you the fucking news. You gotta recognize the game if you don't wanna lose. We're just skipping to bulls trading information. Yeah, we Rioters raiding, insider trading, taxes are raising, bills on the hill. We got a crypto mill. No, they ain't growing weed. When the Fed speaks today, it's some shit we don't need. Take it, Dan. Two bulls trading information. What? Two bulls trading information. All right, Kyle, uh, you want to lead us off? I think you, you have that, that Beanie Baby story. No, I got something about uh, oil, uh, which is, you know, right up your alley. Uh, Bank of America thinks that if oil tops 125, that it's going to break part of the U.S. credit market, which uh, looks like they're referring to the junk bonds. Ooh, that's scary. Okay. They think that if Russia really does cut off their supply to all the Western countries, that markets could be seeing oil at 150 to 200 dollars a barrel. Uh, that'll cause ma- a major negative impact on consumer spending, manufacturing, and credit conditions in the U.S. So the B of A team has studied that sharp increases in oil prices and how it tends to dampen business activities. And they found that manufacturing and services tend to dip when oil rises 50 percent from its last three-year average. Well, yeah, everything's more expensive. <laughs> the team. This is what the team wrote. They said if we end up averaging 100 dollars in oil in the next few months, the increase is going to be on the cusp of 50 percent from the last three years. If we go consistently above 125, the increase will push us meaningfully beyond the threshold where sensitivities get much stronger. So this is going to be trouble for the companies that are reliant on the 1.7 trillion high yield or junk bond market. Junk bond spreads have climbed about a percent so far to start the year to about four percentage points above the treasuries. So the junk bond spreads uh, since the start of the year, they've climbed from about 1% up four percentage points above treasuries, according to the uh, B of A US high yield index. Wow. So if oil with oil at 125, they think that those spreads will increase to five percentage points above the free, risk-free rates and six percentage points above the benchmark with oil north of 150. Oof! Wow. So yeah, expensive oil uh, not looking so rosy. I I just gassed up a, a yesterday and had to pay four and a half dollars a gallon. Ah, uh, that's surprising because we're about the same. Very much made me sad. Ours was at four fifty-five yesterday or Thursday. Yeah, surprised that we're similar. I thought uh, Illinois had higher. I thought Illinois was higher than Arizona, but I guess not. It was before everybody moved to Arizona and all the prices of everything went up. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. 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 Stupid Californians and Canadians. No offense, love our Canadian friends. <laughs> made me really, really wish I already owned an electric vehicle. I'll tell you that much. Well, I was just seeing something that said that it still could be more expensive to recharge a car than to fill it with gas. Yeah, big gas would definitely tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it was big gas, but... (laughs) Oh, big gas also supplies a lot of the... uh, I mean, a lot of the power infrastructure is still really on 
coal and natural gas. So, you know, even if you are an electric vehicle user, you're still tied to the stupid rising oil prices. Certainly. It's, it's yeah. what I was saying, like everything's going to go up, just moving things, manufacturing things like oil's just used everywhere. It's tradable energy, right? Yeah. And it's used in everything. All the packaging, the plastics. Oh, yeah. Plastics. Like, yeah, there's no getting away from it anytime soon. Well, I have heard of at least one potential legislative fix. Oh, which is? (laughs) The Democrats have introduced a bill on uh, this past Thursday. They want to tax the biggest oil companies that have been recording their biggest profits uh, to use the money to provide quarterly Mm -hmm. checks to Americans. So it would would apply to big firms like Exxon Mobil that produce or import over 300,000 barrels of oil a day, which would exempt smaller Mm -hmm. companies. It would be a 50% tax imposed on the difference between the current price of a barrel and the average price between 2015 and 2019. I'm not quite sure where they got that math or, you know, why they chose that. I'm not sure where they, does this have any chance of passing? Well, probably not. Yeah, (laughs) I wouldn't think so. They're not expecting (laughs) uh, Joe Mankin of West Virginia to be on board with this. Shocking. But At the same time, they're also not expecting any Republican support on the idea of suspending the 18 and a half cent per gallon federal gas tax either. So Mm. (laughs) you can't raise taxes or cut taxes. Uh, They would be they'd be trying to use the same uh, stimulus check setup that they used during the pandemic to decide who would get checks. So people Mm. making under 75 grand a year uh, or married couples making under 150 grand a year would receive payments in this potential bill, which, as we said, is never going to pass. But it's an interesting idea when you get further into the article as part part of the impetus of this is that because we're seeing record profits and earnings in the oil companies, they're saying, right hey, we, we wouldn't be paying this much if you took a cut of your profits, if you just started charging less for your oil. Right. And the, yeah, part of the problem is that when oil prices, the spot prices go up, just because that's the price today, that doesn't mean that's what, you know, ExxonMobil paid for it in their stockpiles and inventories. So they may have yeah. stuff that they've been holding on to for, you know, three months that was purchased at a much cheaper rate, but now they can sell it for higher. So guess what? That's what they're going to do. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't seem to work the other way around, though, does it? No, never. (laughs) Never. (laughs) (laughs) This price of oil has gone down. Ah, fuck it. Just dump it. Ah, well, they'll still pay it. They'll still pay it. No, they already used to pay in the higher prices. No easy way out from rising oil costs. What else you got? I got the Janet Yellen, our Treasury Secretary, has come out and said that Americans will likely see another year of very uncomfortably high inflation. Oh, that's we, great. Yeah. So we're, we're shocked for a whole nother year. She's, she's kind of been the one stepping out in, in front. I've noticed, I guess, I guess she's the bad cop and Powell's the good cop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I've noticed that too. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. We're going to, we're going to have inflation. Yeah. It's just, just months. Yeah. Cause just months ago she was like, oh, inflation's going to be moderate. When everybody else was like, no, 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 we're fine. We're fine. She she also reiterated the, the problems with uh, oil and wheat because of the invasion of Ukraine. You know, Russian oil and Ukrainian wheat and Russian wheat are, are such big, big influences in the world. So like that, that those there's there's inflation that we can't control. Also, uh, another issue with the wheat was that Russia looked like was going to ban um, 
fertilizer exports. So that could cause even more exacerbation on that. Shit. Do we get a lot of fertilizer out of Russia? Uh, I mean, it's not an insignificant amount. Like, I don't know how much $1.9 billion worth of fertilizer buys you, but it seems like a lot. I do wonder how long that the like Russians saying something like, hey, we're not going to export any fertilizer. How long will that go on? as the russian economy is in such a severe downturn and they're like wait we're not gonna take that money from fertilizer like we need to bring some money in right like we can't do it without any money like we, we just got fertilizer sitting around like china's not buying all of it they're trying but they've already increased their exports to like their other three trading partners that since the uh the crimea invasion when they were sanctioned the first time so not sure how much more they can shoulder or absorb uh didn't yellen also say something about how she didn't expect a recession this year it, it wasn't in that one i think that was in an article earlier in the week um she was saying that she didn't see a recession based on recent uh, bond moves bond market moves ah uh, okay uh, she added it, it we, because of the bond rate market stuff, uh, we might be in for an interest rate cut, but uh, I don't think that's happening. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Goldman Sachs uh, uh, seems to disagree. They cut their U.S. GDP forecast, uh, I think, by a full percent. Ouch. Uh, and they say this, the odds of a recession now are as high as 35%. Damn. Yeah. So... With the CPI data coming out on Thursday, showing that inflation is uh, at a 40-year high even before the impact of the recent sanctions on Russia. Uh, Besides the humanitarian catastrophe, sky-high commodity prices have been a result so far of what has been the two-week invasion. Economists have now cut their forecast for growth from in 22 to 1.75 from 2%, and the consensus is 2.75, so they're a full point below the consensus. Damn. Uh, according to them, they say it's a pretty straightforward call. Combining our commodity strategist's forecast with estimates of pass-through to consumer prices, we estimate that rising gas and food prices will create an effective 0.7% drag on real disposable personal income in 22, with larger drags for lower-income households whose spending is typically more sensitive to fluctuations in income. Uh, that was Joseph Briggs. They said that you've continued with, although households will likely partially offset this income drag by reduced savings, uh, this hit to income should weigh on spending in 22. And again, we see oil popping up with uh, price targets up, uh, they're saying, up to 175 a barrel as what they see possible. Supply losses reach 4 million barrels a day. And they haven't assumed any growth hit due to metal shortages since aside from palladium, only a small share of U.S. commodity demand is met by Russian exports. Recession risks are mounting, they continued. They expect further service sector reopening and spending from excess savings to keep the economy growing. But the chances of a recession next year are between 20 and 35%, roughly implied by the slow of the U.S. Treasury yield curve. Not sure what most of those things mean, but I do know recession is usually not a good thing. So <laughs> they they literally just said, like, we'll be fine for a little bit as people empty their savings. Yes. Or as they stop saving. It's not looking good. That's grim. It's, yeah, I would agree. We got that to look forward to now. <laughs> I thought war was good for the economy. Shit. Uh, I mean, I think we have to be in the war. Or at least more people that we can sell to. No, we have to be completely out of the war, selling to both sides. That's good for the economy. Yeah, we need more people involved, I think, if that's the case. <laughs> Which I um, don't really want. I think I'd rather recession. <laughs> don't want it to happen. I, I honestly think it's it's starting to happen. Kind of feels like it. Ugh. Yeah. Should we move yeah. on? This is getting kind of dark. Oh, all, <laughs> all 
all sunshine and happiness in the china shop today <laughs> oh shit well i don't have any other stories i don't either all my stuff the rest of my stuff is for stocks oh oh there was that other thing i wanted to talk about speaking of sunshine and happiness you know who's really amazing person to talk to Mm-hmm. i do none other than the beautiful sue Pullen. <laughs> <laughs> Two Bulls in a China Shop is proudly brought to you by Sue Pullen at Fairway Independent Mortgage and Equal Housing Lender. Sue Pullen is a certified mortgage advisor, focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She's got over 20 years experience helping thousands of people purchase, refinance, reverse mortgages. Sue does it all. She's licensed in 27 states. Reach out and see what Sue could do for you. Best way to reach her is just give her a call, 520-977-7904. Or you can send her an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number, 2289. Sue Pullen has an MLS number of 206048. That email again is spullen at fairwaymc.com. That phone number, 520-977-7904. And I know it's her phone number because I called her last weekend. She answered. She doesn't even have a secretary answer. It's just her. She did. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't expect her to. <laughs> I think that's her personal <laughs> cell that she uh, allows us to give out. All right. Well, Two Bulls in a China Shop is also proud to be affiliated with Trade Pro Academy. Trade Pro! Uh, do I need to read this whole thing again? I think people probably get it by now. Oh! <laughs> Maybe we should just talk about Trade Pro in general. I see. Dan, definitely go through the whole Sue Pullen thing. Trade Pro, my bit. No, 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 no. <laughs> Trade Pro Academy is an educational platform that offers institutional trader development programs to new and experienced independent traders. Translation, learn to trade like the big institutions. Trade Pro. They have a great staff of highly knowledgeable, successful traders, and there's no better place that we've found to learn all you need to know to be a successful trader. Find them online at tradeproacademy.com or just use our affiliate link in the episode description as it's a great way to support the show and improve your own knowledge and skills. Mm -hmm. uh, and the thing I like about their community too, not only is Vico and George, like they, you get the feeling they actually like care about you and your success. They do. Yeah. Like George is a professional trader. He's not an educator by profession. He's, he's just good at it. He, he's good at it. And he's trying to give back and teach other people to do what he does. So that way they can experience financial freedom. Yeah. But uh, there's been some struggles in their live trading rooms lately. So he hosted a special webinar to, on Friday for the people that were struggling where they opened up uh, the microphone to let uh, their members pull up their trade logs and journals and review some of the struggles. And he went through and tried to help you know people individually. It was a, an amazing thing to see. And that's the kind of stuff that you get with their community. Yeah. Constant interaction with the the professionals there's no holding back yeah and it was uh it was kind of a hard conversation for some people too i bet i i didn't want to go on there not just because i'm not doing futures at the moment but because i didn't want to have to open up my journals and logs and expose my <laughs> terror terribleness <laughs> and have them judge me very rightfully <laughs> i'm still waiting for you to post your journal in the discord i journal in the discord every day that's true <laughs> all right next okay Oh, yes, yes. I'm not done talking about awesome people. The amazing Flary and Leo from Order Flow Labs were kind enough to share their toolkit with us for trading futures on Sierra Charts. And let me tell you, they've got some amazing custom studies for structure and execution. Uh, by, we've said it all before, buy sell zones, exhaustion absorption detectors. Kyle loves the liquidity zones, the reconstructed tape. They just got something for everybody. These are the tools they themselves as professional traders use amazing discord community constantly talking and people through what they're doing and how to best use these tools 
check them out, orderflowlabs.com. It's really some amazing stuff. We're very blessed to be able to check that out. Yes. It's like having two professional traders come over and draw on your charts for you. Mm-hmm. And who could say no to that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan. Time for some stocks? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about some stocks. Should we ring the bell? Let's ring that bell. Forgot about the bell. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, where should we start? I want to start off just going in the Wayback Machine to last week, and I want to bring up Rivian, because if you recall, somebody so, in the yeah. China shop said, it's not a big bet to bet they're, they're going to have bad earnings if they just tried to raise the price on pre-orders. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. did have a very bad earnings. <laughs> they uh, opened the week <laughs> at uh, 4802. Got as high as forty nine forty four. Mm-hmm. Uh, earnings was Thursday. Going into earnings, it was in the upper forties. Between it, it closed that day at uh, for about forty two. At earnings, it ended the week at thirty eight. So yeah, uh, I, I was keeping an eye on it throughout the week. Uh, I kind of forgot about it. Um, what was the actual earnings date? Was that Thursday or Wednesday? Thursday. Yeah, I think uh, I was looking at it Monday and Tuesday, but the options contract prices still seem pretty pricey. But it looks like with a 10-point move from Monday, you probably would have done just fine. Yeah, Kyle, they posted a 10% revenue miss. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's not good. Not good at all. (laughs) All right, well, if you're done patting yourself on the back. (laughs) Sure am. What do you have for this week? Well, uh, Amazon has announced a twofer, 20 for one stock split and a $10 oh, yeah. billion dollar buyback. Ten billion, how much is that uh, it's per their market capitalization? $1.48 trillion market cap. So that's just a drop in the bucket. Yeah. <laughs> but still, buybacks are good. That's- yeah. First, first split since 1999. Wow. You know, they, they're, they're trading around 3000. They think the guy's high as 3,700. Yeah. Uh, so this is going to bring the price. I think they had a real nice jump initially and yeah, it started, uh, started coming back down to earth again. It didn't quite arrest the bull, the bear trend it's been in. No, but it gave it a little bit of respect. Got it. It gave it a gap to fill is what it did. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There you go. <laughs> So it's gonna if if this split today it would be around one hundred and fifty dollars a share. I am excited because that means I'll be able to afford Amazon options. Oh, that's a good point. They and the, them being such such a big big part of the the stock market average. You know, like the mm-hmm. the Fang, like the Mang. I don't know. Oh, Meta, Meta's out. Yeah, yeah, it's NVIDIA Bang-um. now, the, the, the Nang. Oh, yeah, that'd be Nangum now, right? <laughs> Nangum. Magna. Uh, Magnum. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'll be excited to be able to play uh, Ford Options because, uh, you know, instead of like, oh, I think the NASDAQ's going down, I'll be like, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to short Amazon. Buy some Amazon puts. When's that uh, stock split supposed to take effect? Uh, yeah, distributions from the stock split are going to be made at the close of business on June 3rd. And then trading will begin, I think it's a Friday, and then trading will begin on a split adjusted basis mm-hmm. on June 6th. So we'll see the new price on June 6th. That's exciting to circle that date on the calendar to start paying attention to their stock price too, so I can get a good feel for it. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, what happens to a put contract if, if it splits? I think they get split adjusted, but uh, I think we looked at this one time. 
yeah. another stock. And okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. I don't remember exactly what happened, but it should get split adjusted. Yeah, you can't buy a hundred and fifty dollar put and then <laughs> wait till the. It's in the money. <laughs> Suddenly, it's in the money when you. I think what it does is it becomes a split adjusted price for that strike, but then you get the split adjusted number of shares for the contract. Would be my guess, but I'd have to look that up to be certain you know I, I was reading on reddit somebody was talking about shorting the uh, russian etfs that got suspended trading or having puts on it and the uh the the market froze i think froze the puts the I, don't, I, I didn't understand exactly what happened, but the gist was their pit, their puts are now worthless, even though the the, the price is, is going low. Yeah, uh, I don't like I said, it was just a, it was just a Reddit thread. It's not, not anything I posted, but I figured it was relevant to to discuss at the moment. Yeah, if the shares aren't hmm. trading, no one can buy them from you, right? Yeah, but does that uh, if they suspend trading on that, do they add the time back to the contracts once they do start trading again, or how does that work? I would guess they have to. I don't know. Let's, uh, if anybody knows, give us a call and, and, and fill us in. I'd love to know the answer to that. Yeah, please. I really want to know the answer to that. I would assume that's the, the fairest way to do it. It's not another risk I want to take. <laughs> hey, your stock's been suspended. Fuck. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Russian debt and losing money over Russian investments, uh, are you familiar with uh, PIMCO? investing firm it's a betting company isn't it p-i-m-c-o no they oh. run they run like an income fund they want they run a bunch of funds i was thinking of the horse racing track it's <laughs> <laughs> not pimco that's similar but not quite <laughs> <laughs> um they've got a bunch of giant funds like uh, uh the 140 billion dollar pimco index fund is p-i-m-i-x uh that fund in particular held uh over a billion dollars worth of government Russian government international bonds uh, as of the end of 2021. Mm -hmm. And they'd also written almost a billion dollars of credit default swaps, <laughs> swap protections on Russia by the end of last year. So PIMCO is going to really have to pay out if Russia defaults on its debt, which looks like it is increasingly more and more likely. And they, they, the PIMCO total return bond fund and emerging markets bond fund also held similar positions. PIMCO declined to comment to the Financial Times when they asked him about it. <laughs> These could, it's going gonna, it's gonna to push some huge losses on PIMCO. Uh, earlier this week, uh, Fitch downgraded Russia's sovereign rating by six notches to their injunct territory, saying mm -hmm. default is imminent. Moody's and S&P have slashed their rating to junk status. It, it really looks like, and I feel bad for anybody out there in any PIMCO funds, it really looks like uh, their Russian investments are about to hurt them greatly. Yeah. Won't be the end of the fund, but you buy the dip or wait for the next earnings statement before you buy anything. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Same, same thing. Yeah. What else is going on in the world? I got one that's affecting like more than just one company. It was uh, the SEC. I uh, remember what is this a year ago, and we we're talking about them looking at uh, or introducing legislation to delist uh, Chinese stocks that fail to meet their reporting requirements within like the next three years. Oh yeah. I remember that well. So uh, the SEC's identified five companies, Beijing, 
Beijing, B-E-I-G-E-N-E, Yum China Holdings, which is the franchise rights for KFC and Taco Bell in China, uh, Zai Lab Limited, ACM Research, and Hutch Med Limited. The Yum shares, Yum China fell by as much as 15% following this, but it also affected things like Alibaba and Beidou, some of the other big Chinese names. And I think Neo even has been uh, really a shit in the bed lately. So if you're trading Chinese stocks, uh, yeah, be careful with them. It's been a while since we looked at Baba, but Baba saw was below 90, I think, today. Yeah, it closed the week at 86.71. So, whew, and sell volume's increasing. So, I don't think these are done falling yet. Right where it's at right now, it's about to drop into another uh, area where it used to, it were consolidated before. This is 86 is about where its IPO price was at. Like, it hasn't been this low since 2016 after it IPO'd. IPO'd back in 14. I remember because I bought it at the IPO. Oh, really? Really glad I sold that a long time ago. <laughs> yes. I'm pretty sure I dumped that around in the 200s somewhere. But yeah, if it uh, if it loses this 86, then I mean, it's uh, the range it was bouncing around back in 15 to 15 to 16 was this 86 to 57 half. Yeah. And it looks like it's about to re-enter that. Yeah, it's another one. Like you buy puts and it gets delisted. Those puts aren't going to be worth anything. I don't know. I'm not sure how that works. It's a learning show. We should try and learn that. Uh, yeah, we should probably learn that, right? <laughs> this has just been an epic crushing drop since we first started talking about it back at the end of 2020. Yeah. Wow. Fuck, where did I sell that at? It might have been close to... I might have taken it out when it was at 300 or 305. I think I might have gotten. That's incredible. I'm really happy I unloaded that. And the last thing that I wanted to talk about was Bed Bath & Beyond. Mm, yeah, some exciting stuff happened with them this week, huh? Yes. So what day was that? Was that Monday? That was Monday. So I think, uh, I don't know if it was pre-market or if it was over the weekend, but what's his name? Ryan Cohen, the guy who rescued GameStop, has taken uh, just a shy of 10% stake of Bed Bath & Beyond. And then he uh, submitted a letter saying that they should consider like um, selling off some of their holdings or even potentially like a full sale of the company. And I think what caused more of the giant pop on Monday was that the company said they were considering what he said. So combine the fact with him taking a stake in it with uh, the fact that the company was looking at taking some of his advice caused the share price to tag that $30 resistance level on Monday morning. Uh, since then, it's been decreasing. It's been holding a support around 1950, and below that, we got a really nice gap down to about 17. Yeah, I think this is going to fill that gap unless there's more good news to come out. There's, it's kind of hard to sustain that kind of meteoric rise like that. Do you think that it was all uh, to do with the business side of it, or do you think some of that could have just been driven by Ryan Cohen's name in the memeverse? I think a lot of it had to do with that. Uh, and I think what happened was, because it's still a high short interest stock. I think a lot of it was, because the price stock uh, peaked out around like 35 in pre-market. And then basically from the open on, it was just decreasing from there. So I think most of that rise was people who were short closing out those short positions. And then the, the decline was either more people shorting or people taking profit after it finally got back up to a range where a lot of people were buying in that 30 to 27 area or it was ryan cohen who bought at 13 <laughs> <laughs> that could be sold it all off at 30 I, 
<laughs> Probably not because I think he likes the company enough to where he wants to have a piece of or a say in the direction it goes. You know, you get 10% stake, then it should be a board seat. But yeah, so it's definitely one that I'll be watching this coming week. Uh, I'll be watching that. I think I said, I think it was about 19 half. See if that fails. And if that does, then I'll be watching it to fill that gap down to about 17. You, uh, you, you sold some covered calls uh, during that spike, didn't you? Yeah, I still have uh, what was it, about 300 shares that purchased uh, that I had been selling covered calls on. I think my cost basis was somewhere around like $20 a share. So when it saw that price had opened, I just started selling covered calls. And I think I closed one out and then sold another one when it bounced on Tuesday. And I have the option to sell another one if I can. So I'd like to see one more bounce before it drops again. But, you know, take what I can. Yeah, that uh, that that peak there pretty much made my almost made my month. Wow, <laughs> that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, so much so that I took the next day off and did basically just managed positions. Was, after talking to Kevin, I was like, "Yeah, I probably shouldn't be trading today. I have too much confidence." Had a great day yesterday, right? Especially when it's something that's kind of more luck based than anything else. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You didn't <laughs> unless you're friends and buddies with Ryan Cohen. You didn't tell me, right? <laughs> no, it's just a stock I like. Something I was holding for the long term. <laughs> My buddy Ryan's going to buy ten percent of BBBY. <laughs> I like to think I would have told you. I, I would hope. Should we move on? Yeah. What do we What do we move on to? What What is the What's left? Uh, crypto. <gasps> crypto. Be brave. Fortune favors the brave, Dan. Fortune favors the brave. (laughs) Four words. Romans from ancient times have always known. Fortune favors the Bitcoin. Buy, doggy. (laughs) Buy it all. Pancake swap. Buy, buy, buy. Sushi coin. Sushi. Hamster. (laughs) Buy crypto. (laughs) All right. What do we got here? You want to load us off? Yeah, quick, quick, uh, little teaser from eBay at their uh, one of their investor meetings. They they had a slide that uh, alluded to starting to take crypto payments hmm. uh, for your eBay purchases. They, I mean, they, they they already do they they sell NFTs on eBay, but they they have yet to accept any kind of crypto as payment. But they are planning on it, and that's to me when things will get interesting with crypto and I, I might seriously start moving something into one of the, one of the coins or oh, an eBay not into eBay because into eBay? crypto oh okay eBay to me is the canary in the coal mine in this situation will i when people can start using cryptocurrency as currency i think we're going to start to see it behave differently right the value of it will behave mm-hmm. differently. So, so we're right on the cusp of, of to me, the big, the biggest development of crypto since the development of crypto would be getting merchants to <laughs> to accept them. Well, I mean, there's already some that do. I remember, uh, I remember AMC uh, was one of the leaders in that back in fuck twenty one when they started taking cryptos for buying movie tickets. Oh yeah. Do they still allow that? Wasn't even Tesla doing that? Uh, letting people pay for their Teslas with Bitcoin or they started to and then had to cancel that. Right. But, but this is a marketplace. So it's not like just one business like AMC or Tesla. Like, right, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So it'd be like if Amazon let you purchase stuff from the prime 
marketplace. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And that's, that's, yeah, gonna, that's definitely a bigger deal. It's going to really, and I don't know what'll happen to it. I don't know if it'll go up, it'll go down, but it, it'll really cement it as a, as definitely not just some tech novelty. It's not a beanie baby. Like we're, we're actually using this shit. Right. Yeah. I can't uh, go buy goods with a beanie baby. Unless we go back to the barter system. Like, yeah, I was going to say, like the Bookmans in Tucson, like you could trade in your Beanie, ba- beanie Baby and get a guitar. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, you can get anything you want on eBay. And it's, so if they start taking Bitcoin, look out. Shit's changing. All right. Uh, another big news. Biden announced an executive order on Wednesday. This is the first, uh, I guess, what did they say? A quote, whole of government federal policy to address the risks and harness the potential benefits of cryptocurrencies mm. uh, by directing the government agencies to take a slew of measures around financial stability, illicit finance, financial illusion, inclusion, and investor protection. So part of the executive order that he issued was to direct the government to place urgency on the R&D of a potential digital dollar coin. Yes. But the reason why I think the crypto market spiked uh, after this executive order came out was not because of what he said, but it was more what wasn't said in there. There was nothing talking about uh, regulations or, or anything directed at like trying to limit or, or oversee the existing cryptos. It was more just talking about doing some R&D and looking at like the big one was the digital dollar. Like that was the big takeaway from it. Oh, man. And so continuing our other conversation, like if there's a digital dollar to compete with all these other coins, will what would you choose as a consumer like if you're going to load up on on some digital currency ask china didn't they don't they have a digital currency and <laughs> basically forced to accept it because japan uh china did too i thought oh i, thought china I, had I don't digital know currency they might Am i wrong could be wrong you've never been wrong before that's what would be more scary is they kick bitcoin out because they don't want the competition <laughs> <laughs> i have a hard time seeing something like that happening especially as more and more people start accepting it as an actual currency. Like you were saying, the more ingrained it becomes in the economy, then the less likely I think they are to be able to get rid of it or severely limit. There are several countries that have digital currencies, India. Oh, did you look it up? Are you fact checking me? Fact checking. No, I'm trying to provide information to the listeners. (laughs) No, I appreciate it. Bank of Russia was trying to do it in October, 2017 to decrease their dependence mm-hmm. on the US dollar. Obviously, I don't think they they they, they haven't quite implemented it yet. Brazil, uh US is on its way. Uh yeah, nothing about Asia. Stupid investopedia. What do you know? <laughs> yeah, they have a digital version of the yawn. So, yes. Ha. I was right. Suck it. <laughs> exactly. So, they they kicked <laughs> they kicked Bitcoin out. <laughs> China has a little more freedom to do things like that because of their less than <laughs> Uh, stellar record when it comes to personal freedoms. One person, one directive policy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, the leader said it. We all got to do it. Right. I got one last uh, crypto story to talk about. And that is that uh, FBI director Christopher Ray is saying that Russia does not quite have the ability to circumvent sanctions through cryptocurrency that people might think. Hmm. Director Ray said the FBI and its partners had built up significant expertise on digital assets, citing the department's recent work in seizing large amounts of tokens as evidence that were vulnerabilities, vulnerabilities in using crypto 
to get around sanctions. And I quote, the Russians' ability to circumvent the sanctions with cryptocurrency is probably highly overestimated on the part of maybe them and others. We are, as a community and with our partners overseas, far more effective on that than I think that sometimes they appreciate. And there's a lot of expertise in terms of tools and strategies to help block that kind of effort. Ultimately, what they really need to do is get access to some form of fiat currency, which becomes more, which becomes more challenging. Right. So I don't know. He doesn't like list any point to any specifics like this is the shit we're doing. They can't evade us. But he he does seem pretty confident. Well, it's a good thing. They shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, OK. Fair don't enough. tell them what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> They they just pointed to like we we've been in the crypto universe we seize these tokens from criminal activity like we can seize right. theirs I guess is what they're saying. Well, that's the thing too with the that's the other side of a digital currency like that is that every coin is unique and traceable, right? So anonymous. Is it? It's a time to draw, motherfucker. To reach for the skies. <laughs> Damn yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I did anything ugly this week, but I did, my good and bad were definitely related, and they definitely happened Friday, and you were definitely there for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll just go first and then let you, uh, let okay. you go. So my good was cutting some of my losers. Uh, I finally cut the stupid Capital One fiasco. Yeah. Uh, and I also cut my Ford calls. Uh, I did a much better job of cutting GE when it went the wrong way. I cut that pretty much as soon as it failed. Uh, the support level that I was targeting. We were talking about it last week. Well done. So it took a while, but uh, it's, it's a big mental win to to actually <laughs> save some bit of that capital. So I did do did get some capital preservation out of it. Uh, the other good thing I did this week too is uh, I had a really bad luck trade on Friday with the futures. I took my first trade in like two weeks and ended up eating a stop that was like six ticks away from where the minis were actually trading. Like I have no idea how that stop was actually hit. Ugh, I hate that. Uh, and it was really, uh, really fucked with my head too, because like the minis came within like two or three ticks of hitting that stop, but never actually would have hit it. And then it proceeded to do exactly what I thought it was going to do and hit both of my take profit targets. So a trade that should have been good due to bad luck was, you know, a loss that I had to eat. So I stopped trading after that. I didn't let that, I felt it affecting me mentally. So rather than let that, you know, small loss turn the day into a big loss. I just basically sat on my hands for the rest of the day. Hey, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Something I would have probably chased, uh, you know, a couple months ago. <laughs> that That's super progress. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Two good progresses in a week. So that means I don't have to have an ugly. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your good and bad if they're tied together? I, I've been trading pretty good all week. Just in, in general, and, and I don't mm -hmm. mean like everything I buy turns to gold. Uh, I just mean like my trading decisions, right. levels, and following risk management. Uh, made a really great Tilray trade, uh, bought, bought some puts, and it's like I said, they, they tie together. And then uh, Friday, I, was, uh, deci I decided very badly to like, I'm done paper trading. I've been paper trading for a week already. I'm just, I got the money to... I'll, I'll risk management. I'll, I'll make a play on the spy scalp. And it went against me and I got stopped out. And I was mm -hmm. looking to jump right back into a trade. I was, I was ready to pull the trigger. I actually had a, a <laughs> buy limit on the books waiting to be filled. You had it already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and yep. and uh, uh, thankfully you were there on in the Discord. We were there hanging out talking, and you said, "I I, I don't think that's a good trade. I think you just want to be trading." And uh, it's like like the bubble mm-hmm. popped in my head. I was like, "Oh wait, that's true." And you know what? I am trading. I still have these fucking Tilray puts open. Like, what am I doing? I'm in a winning trade right now. Like, ah. Uh, so <laughs> I consider it bad because if if we hadn't been talking, it wouldn't have occurred to me. Right. Uh, you know, I wasn't taking my set skill or uh, like like Rich Friesen says, I wasn't taking note of my emotions and and realizing like it was just I want to keep playing. I want to. That's a, be trading. That's a classic revenge trade, is what that was. Yes, yes. I'll show you, market, and and, and I would have lost on the, <laughs> the second time too. <laughs> I know. The thing is, I don't know if I would have caught that too if I didn't just catch myself and stop myself too. Oh, doing the same thing after after I made the decision to stop because I found myself looking for another entry. Like, okay, let me catch back into this. Like, wait a minute. No, now I'm not at my levels anymore. This is not a good trade. Like if I hadn't just gone through the same process, then I'm not sure I would have been much help. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I do appreciate the help that you did provide. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Ah, ready for my bad? Yeah. I mismanaged a trailer on a spy call really badly. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I... <laughs> I had uh, I had taken profit on two of them, and then I was sitting with one last runner left, and it was kind of moving. I had my take profit order in place, but I didn't have a bracket set up, so I had a really hard time pulling the trigger to get back out of that. And I finally ended up cutting it for a bit of a loss. It didn't make the trade a loss overall, but rather, I mean, it cost me you know a good percentage point of what that trade should have been worth trying to see what the actual numbers here were. Yeah, my entry is at 97. And rather than having my stop around like 110, which is where it should have been, uh, I ended up having to cut it at 75 cents. So this trade was specifically a day trade. So there's really no excuse to not be using the brackets in that case. Yeah. So, yep, that got put into my journals and uh, that might actually be an ugly. I don't know. I'll let you decide. I don't know. Um, I remember we were chatting about that trade as you were trading it but I don't remember the specifics of what we were talking about, or at least as you entered it, we were talking about it. I know I need, I can't, I'm not good at using like a flatten button or, or just, I need to have something concrete that takes a decision away from me. So that's what a stop does for you. It takes the decision away from you. Your, your, your risk manager made the decision already. The executor doesn't have to worry about it. Right. And that's something that kind of came out of that was after talking to Rich, I actually started, I've got a couple different hats sitting around here. So that way I can try to take as much of the decision-making out of executioner Kyle's hands. Mm -hmm. I don't have a hood, which is what the wife says I should use for the executioner side, but (laughs) maybe I'll order one. (laughs) But, but yeah, that's what, that's what I think I need to be successful. I, I, the risk manager does the analysis, then the executioner goes in and places the orders. So actually for, I had another Capital One trade drawn up and I, I put my research hat on. I picked my levels, my points, my targets, my trigger, and my cut point. So that way, when it came time to act, there was no thinking involved. Uh, the trade never had a chance to execute because it never hit my levels. But that's the way I want to trade going forward. I want to have the research side of it done with a separate mindset. So that way, the execution side comes with less thinking and more just 
clicking. No, that's that's beautiful. That's exactly what we both need to start redoing. Mm-hmm. It's hard to remember to take the hat off, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, I just executed a trade with my hat on. I am not a, I'm a research Kyle right now. <laughs> Damn it. Get out of here, research Kyle. Go back to your Kyle. office. <laughs> uh, do you have a, uh, do you have an ugly? I, I can't think of anything I did that was, that was ugly. I spent most of the week making music. I think you managed to take an ugly that, or was something that could have been an ugly and managed to turn it into just a bad and a learning lesson. Well, that's why I said so, it's bad yeah. and good. It's because it was a bad thing. Yeah, it, yeah exactly. I totally agree. It would have been ugly. It would have been ugly if I made that revenge trade and taken that loss. It would have been ugly because the loss from the first trade was the risk management parameters. It was like, I can, I can lose $30 yep. and I lost that $30. And I was like, I can, I can lose another 30. I'm like, no, 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 Dana, stop, stop, stop. Uh, no. <laughs> 30 bucks. It's not even a full tank of gas anymore. <laughs> Still a good week overall though. It seems uh, like, right? I think so. Yeah. Other than our bet picks. That's I, I lost the most money on a bet pick, which is, that feels really good to say. I know. <laughs> That's where I lost all the money this week. <laughs> right. Are you ready to wrap things up and, and make another one? I sure am. I sure am. Uh, let's, uh, ooh, I think we got a new tune. I need it, wanna beat it, gonna win it if I take it from you. I'm filling my positions, quit your bitching, random's gonna lose. A chart full of levels and a stop that's not too tight. It's bet picking time in the shop, so pick them right. All right, okay, so I'm gonna stay away from oil and I'm gonna do, you know, since I'm back to start. And random's got such a huge lead. Uh, I yeah, I gotta I gotta make a wild move. So uh, when I'm looking at the list of stocks at all time highs, you know that magical all time high. <laughs> yep. Yes, sir. The one that catches my eye is ZIM Zim Integrated Shipping Services. Not just Invader Zim, the cartoon I love. There's also a stock Zim. They are uh, transportation marine shipping. So there are a uh, ship over the oceans shipping company. They just posted earnings on March 7th, a uh, 7% surprise on earnings, a 3% surprise on revenue. Nice. And they've just been running like a beast all week, all time highs and Z I M Z I M. And so what do you think we're going to do, Kyle? I'm going to short it. Oh, a short of rising knife. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somebody's down the below us throwing knives upward, and I'm going to jump on it. <laughs> I'll use my body to stop the rising knife. Pretty nice wick on today. A uh, fucking buy volume looks really strong. It does. So, so my plan is uh, on Monday when it opens, I I want I want the the bet pick to take a beat, and if it's uh, above 
Oh, no, fuck it. I'll just short it from the bell. I don't want to do anything crazy. I think I think we might okay. see it. I think we might see it hit eighty one. Uh, so I guess I'll short half of the position at the bell, mm-hmm. and then if it hits above eighty one, I'll short it again at eighty one, and then the stop will be at eighty three. Again at eighty one, stop loss at eighty three. Take profit's going to be at uh, seventy four. Okay. I am also going to short something. Surprise, surprise. Uh, I'm going to short BBBY. Okay. Very solid. I want to take advantage of what I think is going to be a gap fill next week. Um, I will do the same. I'll short half at open. I'll short the second half at 22 with a stop loss at 25 and a take profit at 17 half. All right. Okay. Should we fucking get this over with and pick a stupid random stock? Uh yeah, uh, VST Vistra Corp. Vistra Corp. It's a New York Stock Exchange public utilities. Those are doing good right now. I know. So is this? I think the fucking twelve sided dice app I got is cheating. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least this one's up there, so it can at least fall. <laughs> yeah, that's got a nice gap all the way down at eighteen. How is this going up when it keeps posting some terrible earnings? Every earnings. One, two, three, four, five. percent miss. <laughs> the last five earnings. 100% miss back in October. 100% miss. Good Lord. <laughs> we said we were going to make money. We, we didn't make any money. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, good. Let, let random go long and let, let it fill that gap below. I know it's a few months back, but. Yeah, let drop to eighteen. Yeah, random deserves it. Wow, I actually think there's a good chance uh, it's going to retest twenty, twenty, twenty-five, tw- twenty-half area. Look how strong it rejected off of uh, uh, that was on that earnings call back in February, February twenty-one when it fell from that fucking height. Damn that thing! That left a let's see twenty-two all the way down to nineteen. It left a three-dollar gap in a stock that trades at twenty dollars. Yeah, that was that was dismal. And a fucking utility company. <laughs> it's just yeah. Well, all we'll, right. <laughs> we'll, Fuck you, you, random. There you have it. <laughs> if this makes money, then <laughs> I quit. <laughs> I quit. <laughs> <laughs> just giving up. Oh, there you have it. I am short ZIM. Kyle is short BBBY, and uh, random's got VST. And I am a betting man. And if I was a listener, I would probably be betting on random kyle that's that's yeah i would too that's where my morale is at after wwr (laughs) (laughs) i know shit hey you know the public peg public service enterprise group that random had oh yeah they uh they hit all-time highs on the 8th march 8th of course they did of course they did anyway i couldn't random have it the week when i dropped all the way back down to 61 (laughs) good question (laughs) All right, folks. Thanks for sticking around to the end of the episode. Uh, we love you all so much. Uh, we got to, but we got to close down the shop. Until next time, happy trades. Goodbye.
Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.